Hello, welcome to Culture Fear. 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 That song does my head in, but let's put that to one side, shall we? Hello, welcome to episode 15 of Culture Fear. If this is your first one, thank you for listening. Um, I'm Sean, your host. If it's not, then thank you for coming back. Not too much really to update on myself, so I'm going to keep it short. Um, yeah, so, but yeah, thank you for listening. Um, I hope that the festive period was all good for you. Yeah, so this episode is with Owen Richards. Um, when I first started getting into music, I guess, and like more local bands or like punk bands and stuff, um, they all seem to be, all the local ones seem to be, um, all of their like records seem to have photographs by um, Owen in them. And um, that's how I met him, really, just uh, through reaching out or at shows or whatnot. Um, and, you know, I guess that would have been 12 years ago now. Um, so it was cool. Um, you know, I moved up to Sheffield. Um, Owen had recently moved up to Sheffield. Um, so I thought, what a perfect opportunity to have a conversation with Owen because I know, like, his... Yeah, I just think it's amazing when people can earn a living out of what they do creatively. Um, and, you know, it's just a cool guy that's done, like, cool stuff. Like, the photos he still takes now, whether it's, like music or not I'm just in awe of I think it's brilliant um, yeah and <laughs> even like um, in my A-level year 12 photography uh, project I did uh, one on Owen and reached out to him and he was like super great with like getting back and talking to me about it which is quite funny I ended up um, flopping that course and um, dropping it but that's probably more down to me than it is uh, Owen's um project but yeah um it was great sitting down and talking with him like super super interesting on how you know he can facilitate a living out of taking photos um how that jumped from a hobby um, and like falling back in love and stuff i guess i've always like um i've never thought of music and, and, and money i guess playing wise or anything really and, you know, one of those reasons is, like, the thing that you love most in the world. Do you really want to mix that with having with work? Um, but it's always amazing when you see friends thriving and doing that. So, um, yeah, it was great to have this conversation. There's not an outro, so I'll just say um, Liam um, Clayton. You can find him on Twitter at Liam C. Audio. Um, he's, like, the one who mixed this and, you know, made it sound better than you know me when I record it on the go so yeah huge thank you for Liam for like always always sorting sorting this podcast out um, and yeah thank you for listening um, I hope you enjoy it if you do please tell your friends maybe go back and listen to some others maybe even take a chance on someone that you've never heard of before um, from the podcast but yeah tell some friends maybe um, hit me up whatever but yeah have a nice day look after yourself and I'll catch you next month bye Hello, Owen. How are you doing? Hi. Yeah, good. Nice to see you, Sean. Yes. Um, 
So, uh, what have you been up to recently? Recently? Uh, well, so, we, uh, yeah, now we both live in Sheffield. So, I moved up to Sheffield, like, about six months ago. And, uh, yeah, just been sort of trying to make my way in the world up here, like, uh, as a freelance photographer, sort of meeting people, sort of, uh, yeah, kind of um, getting a feel for the city. Yeah. yeah, that takes up most of my time, really. Yeah, has yeah. it been, um, like, an easy, has it been all right? Yeah, I still very much like I still get a lot of jobs down in London, so I'm still up and down quite a lot. But yeah, yeah, it's been like part of the reason I moved to Sheffield is like it's a super sort of friendly city, and I knew a few people up here already. So sort of hanging out with them more, getting to know their friends, and sort of it's quite uh, yeah, it's a bit of a fresh start after like you know over ten years of living in London. So yeah, it's sort of. Learning how to make friends in your 30s is quite, uh, yeah, an interesting one. Yeah, how long have you been up here? Uh, yeah, since March, so, oh yeah, so like eight months, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, so, uh, yeah, like a summer, should we say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. nice. Um, yeah, so is it a similar setup that you've got here that you had in London? Yeah, so, um, yeah, like, uh, yeah, in London I had like a little studio, like a little sort of shared studio. Um, I lived in like Hackney and I had a little shared studio, like... A mile, yeah, a mile away from my from my flat, and yeah, same here. Um, yeah, like uh, I've got a little studio that I share with my girlfriend, and uh, another a couple of, another couple of friends about about a mile and a half into town, and uh, yeah, so I sort of base myself there, do a lot of my editing and my all the boring admin stuff, and then uh, yeah, and then yeah, nature of my job takes me all over the place. So uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What have you been up to recently? Recently, uh, if you really uh, enjoy it, uh, I do a lot of boring jobs for the money, and then I'll, I'll tell you about the interesting ones. But don't get, <laughs> don't pay though. Um, uh, so last week I was down in London photographing um, a friend's band called uh, Modern Technology, okay. um, and that was pretty fun. Just sort of uh, they were sort of practicing in Kentish Town, so met up there and sort of had a little wander around, took some photos. Photographed and practicing, and then uh, and I went to the pub. It was, uh, that, was a, that was like one of the better shoots. Um, um, what else have I been doing? Um, I would give you like a contrast. The next day, I was photographing uh, buses uh, okay. all around London, like uh, photographing a particular advert on a bus for <laughs> for a company. So that was uh, quite fun. Sort of basically wandering around London for a day, and, just uh, hoping to see a bus walk past. Basically, yeah, yeah. I had like a list of numbers and routes, and uh, it's sort of fun actually. Like, it's sort of, I love people watching, so like yeah. bus watching is not that dissimilar, really. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, is there a knack, do you think, to uh, photographing like bands? Because photographing bands, I know, I know from like being in the band, well, I never really, um, I never really wanted to do it, but I always felt it was slightly awkward if it ever had to happen. But like, so be, uh, to, be to be like a band that's like getting I mean, photos or does it just depend it is, what the like, band's like? The nature like? of having your picture taken is, uh, is not a natural thing. So it's like, uh, you sort of got to, I sort of embrace that though. I sort of embrace that I know that having your picture taken is really uncomfortable. So yeah. I, like I often find, if you look at a lot of my band photos, people don't always look that comfortable. They look kind of serious. <laughs> They're not like joking and like laughing. Like yeah. uh, um, they are sort of, quite uptight and I sort of sort of embrace that a bit I mean obviously it depends on the band and like like there's lots of different like you know depends on the style like style of the band or the like the music and sort of how I often get sent the record or you know yes you know aesthetically where they want to be going yeah I try and interpret that um 
yeah, to interpret their music visually. Um, sometimes they have a really strong idea of what they want to be, so that sort of defined for me. But I obviously have my own way of photographing and yeah. sort of composing pictures and doing things like that. So, um, but yeah, um, is there a knack to it? I don't know really. I guess there's lots of different kinds of music, sort of like band photographers. Yeah. Um, I I guess I've cultivated a way of like. Normally, to, I think I used to have, I used to photograph magazines and have like 20 minutes with a band or not even that, 10 minutes with a band and I have oh, to okay. meet them in a car park somewhere and I'd have to like try and find some interesting spots that didn't look like, in a, you know, a car park in, you know, <laughs> in the middle of, I don't know, wherever, like action or something. But um, yeah, so I sort of learned how to spot sort of, you know, textures, like colours and walls, things like that and shapes and like just find things that looked out of context and that's and things that look sort of like they could be anywhere yeah um, and that's yeah I guess that's what I do I find those locations and then yeah get the band to come along and then yeah and I, I normally have like if I have if I have the luxury of like having like an hour with someone yeah uh, often it takes just a while to warm up you sort of chat to them for a bit like rather than launching straight into photographing them chat to them get to know them sort of maybe like talk to them about what they do and like show that you've taken an interest in who they are before turning up and photographing them so yeah like say you've listened to their record or you know they, you know you know they played a show recently or something ask them how it went things like that so a lot of that is the knack of it maybe is the communication side of it yeah as much as it is taking the picture so um yeah i mean i guess that's a one one element of it um yeah. Yeah, I guess the other thing, I guess be prepared as a photographer, like sort of know know who they are, know where you're photographing, um, or at least have some sort of idea, because often I can be quite spontaneous when I see a location or something, yeah. like, you know, the light's different on the day that I recce the area or whatever, but um, yeah, and you know, get a band to sort of think about what they're wearing like really simple things like that like not something that they necessarily like some bands are really sort of you know very image conscious yeah some people are really are not so you know just make them think about that and uh yeah i guess that's yeah there we go I mean, yeah nice um right so i guess we'll bring it back um a bit like so whereabouts did you did you grow up in in that so i grew up in uh gloucestershire like a little sort of market town called Cirencester. uh Sort of one of those things that are culturally, it was a cultural void. Okay. Yeah, it was like very pretty. It's like in the Cotswolds, so, you know, probably like an idyllic place to grow up as a kid. Yeah. Um, like, but culturally, nothing really, you know, there for me. So I sort of, I think I was definitely a bit stunted uh, culturally, like, uh, yeah. until, I, until I sort of left, left out, left, got out of town. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but it's that thing where I've only just realised, come around to the fact that it was a pretty good childhood, like, in terms of a safe, nice place to be. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, when you're, you know, in your teens, you start resenting it because you don't have that <laughs> cultural sort of, uh, yeah. I think everything's thing. happening yeah. elsewhere. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like, definitely FOMO before there was FOMO. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, um like was there so what was what was you like as a teenager what were your like what was you into what were they into so like I guess or I was younger 
Like, where, when did you start? I guess if you're in a town of people that, or like a place that's quite similar, like all yeah. the time, like year to year, there's not much movement. What were the things that started grabbing you that you started being yours, right? Cult- yeah, culturally. I mean, I guess I weirdly like, I don't know, I was really into like sports and stuff because that was what the that was what the culture was yeah. in in that town. Um, I guess, I guess I kind of got towards like secondary school sort of college age and like there were a few there were a few like college band nights and things like that yeah. and uh, yeah I sort of gravitated towards them I mean I, I remember like the music like looking back on it was like kind of very of its age like very Brit poppy you yeah. know lots of like Oasis covers bands and stuff like that which uh, I loved at the time like absolutely loved and, uh, but sort of then probably rejected when I got a bit older and like sort of re- I have not refined my taste, but just sort of found the music that I quite liked. I mean, although saying that, now I quite like going back to the whole, the Britpop age and realise <laughs> yeah, actually how good it was. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I guess um, when you're a bit younger and you start looking, like finding an identity for yourself, yeah. you start pushing back on like the biggest band in the world, yeah, like being yeah, Oasis yeah, yeah. and things like definitely, that. Definitely, definitely. I think, um, yeah, and I think that really didn't, I mean, not that stuff didn't really happen for me until after I'd left like like Simon Vesta, like I went to uni in um, in Exeter and that's I, I always say that was my sort of uh my cultural sort of enlightenment. Yeah, I guess. Like, yeah. how did uh, that come about? I went to uni down there, so like uh sort of to study photography. Okay. Um and yeah, just uh sort of went down to like an open day and uh sort of it wasn't even an official open day but they were they were like, oh, come, come down, and I met the sort of met the people at the at the uni and the professor and stuff. Yeah. And super, super sound and like, and I was like, oh, I like this place. And then started looking into like what gigs were happening down there, and I was like, oh, it's quite a good, quite a good little music scene. Like, um, I was, I was already into a little bit of stuff before yeah. before I moved down there, but it was like I was looking at my old mixtapes actually, like that I had in the car when I sort of learned to drive, and yeah. it was like, like they're just. So like such a random eclect- like you call it eclectic now. It's just like like anything and everything. Yeah, and, um, yeah. But yeah, so I obviously sort of could got that some of that music. Like I had bands like Pagardi on there, but then I also had like some uh, like some really weird. Oh, I don't even remember now. Very probably of its time, sort of indie and like yeah. things like that. Um, and I don't I don't really remember where I got that from. I have a feeling I might have even just. I was quite an early adopter of like Napster. Okay, so yeah, sort of yeah, gone yeah. back in time here. Uh, yeah. But like, an early adopter of Napster and like, like um, LimeWire and yeah, stuff like and that. Yeah, you, and you'd only get a song at a time, wouldn't you? Yeah. So you'd get three or four songs from like Fugazi and then you'd like ter- type in That's another it. band. Absolutely. And then yeah. you sort of do that. A bit like what sort of things like Spotify do now where they have related artists. There yeah. was a website called, um, God, I haven't thought about this for many years. <laughs> a website, I think it's called Epitonic okay. or something like that epitonic or something like that and it was like a family tree of bands oh amazing and it was like it was like it was what you know it was like click on one band and it tell you the members and it tell you their record label and then it would say related artists and it'd be like five yeah yeah and i i yeah i was saying to you earlier i'm quite a sort of factual sort of person and i love that stuff i love yeah, sort of yeah. religiously going through a record label and finding all the different bands and um yeah that's uh I think I thought, but obviously with that, there's no 
like quality control in terms of my <laughs> but then at that age you don't really need it because no, everything just, well for, for me anyway and anything i'd hear i was like that's amazing yeah and you're just it, absorbing it all aren't you taking yeah. it all in and uh yeah you sort of yeah yeah so that i think that's where the yeah that i guess that's where a lot of my yeah the cultural stuff yeah. started from actually yeah. I, hadn't, yeah, I hadn't really hadn't really occurred to me actually um but yeah and then yeah then moving down to extra was where that sort of Finding interest in those bands sort of became, and then you find the people. I guess find you go the people, with yeah, like a t-shirt, especially yeah. if you're wearing a t-shirt like a band like Fugazi. Yeah, yeah. You, you you find someone who like works there. They like, oh, you like that band? Well, they have a member who's got a member who's Absolutely. coming next next month, or yeah, like yeah. they sound a bit like this, or yeah, or yeah, something that, like that. Yeah, that definitely worked. To, gave to me like um, they got like um, the little venue down there called the Cavern. Yeah, which is just like I mean, it's like um the store of like like underground sort of um yeah british sort of music and and and, and like you know they used to have a lots of amazing american like like punk bands down there for for the like, it's a tiny venue but like yeah and a bit far out which is i think a is. testament to yeah. the scene hour and a half and, from bristol so yeah. most bands would go to bristol but then you know it'd be the the chosen few that would come down next to <laughs> like uh yeah to play like in front of maybe like 50 people you know like uh, yeah but yeah, so I met, I just started going to gigs down there and um, yeah, met loads of people in bands and yeah, some of those people that I'm, you know, still know and still yeah. friends with. There's, there's a girl who's in this, uh, the zine I've got, like who, uh, Emma, who plays in Witching Ways, who I met, like, yeah, so that would have been 2002. So, yeah. Yeah, a long time ago. But uh, yeah, that's it, like you were saying, um, met people, um, they told me about bands, I've got like, you know, mix CDs and stuff like that. Yeah. And uh, it was kind of, yeah, it was a fun, fun way of finding out about stuff. Yeah. So did you, because did, did you start photographing bands quite quickly when you were an exeter? Or did you already do that before? When, yeah. I, or what I was your remember. photography like around before you went to university? I, I mean, I, yeah, so I did photography at like Art Foundation so okay, a year yeah. before I moved to Exeter and I I spoke after all sorts of stuff and I thought of still getting my head around the idea of photography and I could vote I think I realised I found it quite enjoyable and quite and the teacher said I was alright at it so, yeah, yeah. but I wasn't necessarily concentrating on any, any subject I remember photographing a few bands at those college band nights like which were like in the back of this pub yeah don't they're in like a little function room and um I definitely got some black and white pictures from those gigs um like a couple which are all right. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, then don't, don't think I really was concentrating on bands with a sort of subject matter. Particularly. Yeah, yeah. But then when I moved down to Exeter, yeah, like uh, yeah, I definitely went for it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like uh, I think I I think I was studying photography and sort of when you're studying photography, like finding an interesting subject matter is. Um, you know, it's important as learning yeah. the technical abilities. So, and then I guess, like you've said, with like liking to look in, like finding out the photographers that photograph the bands on like the record sleeves and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it's so amazing when yeah. you can do that, and you're like, wow, that person took a photo of this band, but also this band. What's yeah. the connection? Yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely love that, and like, yeah, and like, yeah, I guess I didn't I wasn't really that aware of too many music photographers. I yeah. sort of knew some, but. um but I didn't really collect records, though. That was the thing. I was like, because I was saying, I was like, sort of 
downloaded a lot of yeah, stuff, yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, maybe a bit before, yeah, like, it was cool. But, um, yeah, uh, so, yeah, actually, weirdly, artwork and photography, like, I didn't really come across that much band stuff, through, band photography through that. Um, I think I remember my first, I was trying to remember my first sort of band shoot in Exeter, and that was, that was like a, a project in our first year of uni and we had to do like a documentary project. Okay. And I, I had been down to the cabin a few times and seen this local band called Tyler play. And, um, and yeah, just sort of, I thought I managed to get the email somehow and contacted them and said, yeah. can I come and photograph you like sound checking and like photograph you play and stuff. And, um, yeah. And that, that was my first proper, like, I think that's my first proper band shoot that I've actually sort of, you know, made a conscious effort to go and photograph a band. Then, funny story about that is that um, I thought it was all processing it, like, develop it all on film, yeah. um, and I was processing it, or I, was I processing? Yeah, I was processing my film at uni, and I have a feeling, it might be my memory, but someone else opened the, sort of, the development, like, the can, like, and oh, yeah. exposed the film, oh. like, uh, and it, it all came out blank. But luckily that band were playing another gig that night <laughs> down in Plymouth. So I begged them if I could come along and they were like so amazing with me and they sort of, I, I th- they said, oh, if you can be, you know, outside the cavern, like in like a five. Yeah. You can, you, we've got space in the car, come come down to to Plymouth. And, uh, and so I went down to Plymouth <laughs> and yeah, saved my bacon basically. Like, uh, but yeah, that's just quite, um, yeah. But yeah, what you're saying about sort of seeing sort of band, like music photography and stuff. I don't remember, I guess. I sort of, I guess as a, I quite like, once I start getting into something, I like to sort of try and do the research and get to get really into it and like try and know as much as I can about it. Yeah. So I think, and I think at that point, the internet was definitely sort of becoming a really good, well, starting to become a good resource for that. Yeah. So I think I probably just start like, like equivalent of Googling back then, but like, and then just found, found stuff online, I think. Um, and then I would go out and buy by uh, sort of books and stuff. Um, I'm trying to think. There was one magazine though that um, the music magazine magazine called Careless Talk Cost Lives. Okay. I can't for the life remember how I came across it, but it it was sort of like I feel like fifty issues of it, but it's like just beautiful. It's a beautiful magazine. Like the photography in it was amazing. Like yeah. um, and it's quite sort of yeah. It was just I don't know. They had they had. It was a really eclectic in terms of the, all the music they covered. It yeah. was amazing. It's like imagine like the enemy, like Mojo, like sort of maximum rock and roll, like 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 all that stuff all rolled into one into one magazine. And um, so they always had really good photographers in there. So I'd make a note of them. Cool. Like and one of the main guys was Steve Gullick, who um yeah who is yeah I think they was like one of my favorite sort of music photographers. Yeah. Um, just amazing. Like I was like. He's he's had a real resurgence, I think, in the last like five five years or so. But like, he used to photograph everyone like in the nineties. Not necessarily like the biggest band, but his famous stuff is like he did a whole series on Nirvana. Yeah. Like he photographed for like Sound magazine and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, he'd go out to America like back in the days when magazines had budgets and stuff. And, like, <laughs> yeah. Sort of, you know, just send photographers around the world. Yeah, he'd go and photograph Nirvana and stuff. And um, yeah, so I remember seeing his stuff a lot. And being really sort of inspired by that, um, yeah, definitely, maybe, yeah, definitely, maybe that route rather than through through record sleeves. But 
Yeah, yeah. And then um, obviously at the same time you were doing other photography as well. Yeah, for like, I guess a type more of it was like have like studying more like fine art sort of photography okay, yeah. and um, like really like portraiture and stuff like that and landscapes. Like the my tutor, my professor at uni were like big like sort of landscape photographers, like amazing landscape photographers. Not like, I mean, like quite contemporary and like. Yeah, just, uh, yeah, amazing stuff. But, um, yeah, so I was doing that along... It was sort of a Jekyll and Hyde sort of thing. I was, like, in the daytime photographing, doing landscapes or whatever, you know, like ponds, and then in the evening going down and photographing whoever was playing at the cabin. And, like, uh, yeah. um, And it was funny because I didn't really, really put the two together, like, doing, like, portraits of, like the music scene and stuff yeah. until sort of like more towards the end of like my like degree um it didn't didn't I think I was maybe I was asked actually I was probably more I was asked to photograph bands like do portraits for bands yeah like in at, uh, rather than me making the effort to go and actually pursue bands and ask them to do promo photos of them or something, whatever so um yeah, yeah sort of happened that way yeah that's that's cool. That because uh, I guess if people were seeing your work away from like the music stuff and enjoy like liking that and thinking that would be a cool way for how we want our band to look. Yeah, I think so. I'd like. I suspect it was probably more the fact that they didn't know many photographers, <laughs> uh, and I was like a photographer that was always sort of down down at the down at the venue. Yeah. Um, actually, Dave, who sort of co like runs the venue, was a, he's a great photographer himself actually, and he used to photograph lots of the bands. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's just like a, I was just another person tasking. Yeah, and that, yeah, I didn't really have a style particularly back yeah. then either. Like more just a, just yeah. about being able to function a camera basically. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, sort of. Yeah. Was it a pretty good time then in Exeter? Was it pretty thriving at the time? Yeah, musically? yeah. I think I think it was. Uh, yeah, I often people you know that class thing when you're there, like people say, oh, it's always better, like you know, five years before or whatever. <laughs> but I think it was a good, it was a strong era. Like you had um, like the music scene, the like indie, well, the the, the UK sort of underground sort of scene was really really strong. Like yeah. bands like Hundred Reasons and like uh, the Heroes and sort of that sort of stuff was all really thriving. And then you had like I don't know who else you had like sort of a whole another world of sort of, uh, I can't, now I can't remember anyone, but yeah, like a whole another world of like British punk as well. Sort yeah, of. yeah. Um, even bands like Murder of Rosa Luxemburg, do you remember that okay. band? No, no, no. Yeah, sort of, I guess sort of like a screamo, sort of post-hardcore, like that post-hardcore scene was there. There was basically, I felt like there was loads of different scenes all sort of running side yeah, by side, yeah. um, which was sort of fun. And also like the cavern managed to book like, like kind of, like DC bands, like you know, like uh, sort of you know, like Discordy sort of yeah, bands, yeah, yeah. which I like. And this this sort of sound in Exeter was very like, sort of, it was a mix of post sort of post hardcore, like post rock and sort of Discord. So it's like quite angular, yeah. Um, which I which I loved. I think like yeah, sort of. And obviously, me loving Fugazi yeah. sort of meant I was like, oh, definitely, definitely come to the right place. <laughs> yeah, 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 sure. Oh, that's brilliant. Um, so, um, like, did you, so you, obviously you were in Exeter, how many years? I was in Exeter for four years, so like three years at uni and then uh, 
spent a year working in a photo lab. Oh, okay. Um, just, yeah, just, like, was that, like, the most, yeah, I had, like, no responsibilities. It was, like, <laughs> it was great. It was, like, having a, yeah. So I just, like, went to just photograph bands all the time. And then I started getting my first sort of commissions as well that year. Because yeah. I could get, I could process all my film for free. That's oh, beautiful. yeah, yeah, amazing. So yeah. Oh, great days. Um, but, yeah, so I started, um, you know, you finish uni, like, particularly photography, you're like, right, and now I need to work out how to make a living. Like, you're sort of starting from scratch because you know how to take a picture, but you've got to work out, yeah. like, how to sell that or how, you know. And, uh, yeah, so I started, uh, yeah, like, sort of contacting magazines and stuff. And, um, yeah, started doing a few little little commissions in that year. So, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, was it was it music that you were diving into at that point or was it always, like, a, like... No, a definitely music. I was definitely, like, I want to be a music photographer, like... That it seems like a very uh, obvious way of making a living, I guess. Um, yeah. uh, you know, you think of photographers, you think like music photographers, like you think of like car photographers, you know, it's like a very sort of, yeah. it's pretty straight down the line, which um, sort of probably a bit naive back, uh, like looking back on it. But um, yeah, I sort of emailed, emailed Plan B magazine actually, which was actually a, uh, uh, sort of a magazine that came after that Careless Talk Cost Live okay, magazine yeah. I was talking about sort of run but had like the same editorial sort of team but um, yeah sort of was a was, I mean it was plan B it was like their plan B so uh, yeah um, so yeah and I because I was based down in Exeter like lots of there were lots of photographers in London lots of photographers you know Manchester or whatever but there wasn't really many down in the southwest. so yeah, um, yeah started getting commissions so lots of bands like um down in like in Bristol and wherever, so yeah. um, yeah, uh, started going off and photographing them and trying to yeah, blag my way into yeah, yeah uh, pretending like I knew what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I'm sure most of the bands don't know what they're doing, so it's all good. Good. It's like funny something you realise isn't it when you're older. You're like, no one really knows what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. Like it's all it's all it's all a facade. Like yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you think that um the way. Do you think music is a good way of learning how to, to like to use a camera? Like, to use a camera, like, if people were like, what to do? Out. Yeah, I guess what like so music photography. Yeah, I say it's quite. I think it's quite tough as well. Like like live music photography, you're trying to photograph stuff in quite difficult conditions. You know, often in like really dark yeah. venues with crazy lights going on. Um, so you know, a lot of people say, oh, you see a lot of music photographers. I think they get a bad rap, like, okay. um, in the photography world. Yeah. Um, I think, because I think, I do think a lot of top music photography, they are quite, like, they shoot the same picture. You know, you go to a festival and you see, like, a, like 20 photographers all photographing the same picture. Yeah. And it does get a bit boring. But I think, you know, photographing in little tiny venues and things, that's, that's hard, that's tough, and that's yeah. a lot of trial and error. Yeah. Um, and a lot of practice, but, you know... Um, you don't have the three song rule, that famous three song, which is like three songs, no flash, which is like the famous sort of rule that you have at big venues. Oh, okay. That's why you see, and it's still to this day, like photographers, unless they have a, like a triple A, AAA, like have three songs to photograph the band. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So that's often why also they get those same pictures because they only have those three songs to yeah. have those certain yeah. opportunities. Especially yeah. if they're the first three songs. So yeah, the band's yeah. probably not into it as much. No, as no. Like, that's it. Like, some bands go for it from the start, but some, you know, like you yeah. say, like, build up. And yeah. uh, some bands, they're, like, deliberately, like, you know, deliberately 
don't really play up, you know, they sort of keep it under wraps so that the, the photographers don't necessarily capture. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I've definitely noticed that. Um, like, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I guess, yeah, like, learning how to use the camera, like, technically, it's quite, it's quite a good, good way. Um, yeah. And then, obviously, taking pictures, like, portraits and things. Like, I guess it's not necessarily... I guess it's a good way of... Uh, of having access to photo- uh, access to meet people to photograph, I guess. Yeah. So that's it again, like practicing like portraits and things like that. Like, yeah, you just have to get out there and photograph people and keep plugging away, and that that's how you develop your style and your approach and how you develop like you know your way of communicating to people. Yeah. Like you can't you can you can read as much as you much as you like about that. Nothing is. Nothing is better than just going out there and doing it. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. So yeah, in that work, that regard, like music is a really good, a really yeah, good important. Yeah, especially I guess if you don't know work. the band's songs, then like you're trying to capture a moment that you then might not know what's going to happen next. Yeah. Where I guess yeah, yeah. It, uh, like if you know a band's songs, you might know oh, this this part is where everyone stops. That's true. And then come that's back true. In and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah, that's true. I think often though when I was photographing, I would just be like wrapped up in it, like yeah. and I would. Uh, yeah, like, I often don't really hear the, the music when I'm photographing a band because I concentrate so hard on composing or visuals or even just, like, keeping an eye on what... You're basically, when you're photographing a band live, you're looking at five different people at the same time yeah, trying yeah. to see what they're doing and trying to almost um, pre preempt where they're going to move. Yeah, Because you yeah. only have that sort of quick What's going to be the f- something to focus on? Like, yeah. there's um, that... Um, shoots a lot of like hardcore shows that hate five six website oh yeah um, yeah and he always talks about like he just follows what he thinks most interesting whether yeah. it's like someone in the mosh pit or whether it's someone it's the drummer or that it's not yeah. necessarily always a person with a microphone no that you got a photo yeah to follow absolutely. but then it's also making sure that you got what's you're not going to miss what's about to happen yeah, as well yeah, yeah. Eyes in all the same definitely. places and also like you know there's also a thing where you've got to understand that you're not always going to get the shot like, uh, yeah. you know, um, yeah, like, yeah, it's difficult. It's like, yeah, and it must have changed a lot, especially like, well, not especially, but like um, in those like small rooms like the cavern in like um, the years that you was like, you first started going there, mm. that must have been before like everyone had a camera in their pocket. Mm. So yeah. I guess like taking photos at a room where there's only 80 people, yeah. but like be, four of the 10 yeah. people at the front have got their phone out. Yeah. Probably won't look, the photo won't look as good as 10 people watching the band like it yeah. is. Out. I think I was lucky actually, yeah. So I was like just before digital, just before like four phone cameras and before digital was really a thing, like well, before it was more, more accessible. Yeah. So yeah, there was, there was me and Dave at the cavern. That was it. Like, uh, and Dave, Dave had his massive camera, but he would like swing in for like half a song, and then he would like, like kind of like give the way the venue for the way the stage was. You could sort of like get in round the side, okay. and he'd come in, photograph a few 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 songs of them, and then bugger off. And then I'd be there for the entire set, like uh, with my camera buzzing around, like probably annoying the crap out of half the uh, the audience because <laughs> it's such a small venue. But that's how I that's how I got better at it, really, just yeah. because I had the whole set to try and get that shot. Um, yeah, yeah. But Dave was good. Dave was better than me and uh, could swing in, get yeah. a shot in well, like... <laughs> maybe, I'm sure he was the same at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, probably, probably. But um, 
Yeah, I can't remember what the question was now. <laughs> but um, yeah, so after so after Exeter was that? Yeah. Where did you decide to move to London? Was it? Or? Uh, yeah, so like oh yeah, so um, yeah, so yeah, a bunch of friends were moving to London, and I was like, it was a toss up between London and Bristol at the time. Yeah, sort of taking that next step to a, a bigger city, more opportunities. But I think I'd have, if I wanted to be a music photographer, um, or even a photographer, I think I feel like London was the place to go. Um, I don't know if that's necessarily true now, but definitely back then. Well, I guess if you still get a lot of your work, whether that's yeah, because I mean, of the that, foundations you've laid in yeah, London or it, whether that's, it's because that's yeah, where the work is. Yeah, that's 10 years of sort of meeting people and <laughs> like building up relationships and and uh, sort of working, sort of, yeah, working relationships with people. Um, I suspect you could you could definitely do it in another city now. Um, yeah. But yeah, London, like you say, there's, there's, there's so many opportunities and so many people. Um, but yeah, so I moved there and then I sort of worked in... I sort of put it on hold a bit. I think I was in a bit... I was, like, sort of in two minds about whether I wanted to be a full-time photographer. Yeah. Like, I love photography, but I was worried about... Because um, I hadn't really done it full-time until then, like, doing it... Um, doing your job as a hobby... Or your hobby as a job, even. Yeah. Like, and losing your your passion for it because it yeah. becomes uh, a necessity. Like, you have to make a living from it. Um, so I sort of worked in picture libraries, so which were, like... Kind of get you probably most people have heard of Getty, Getty yeah. images, like big stock stock libraries. They used to be a lot more until they were all sort of bought up by two or three big ones. <laughs> yeah. But they all used to be physical sort of pl- like you know all oh, the okay. pictures were on like slides and things like yeah. that. So you get a request and you'd have to go and scan the slide. So like an like archive that. almost. Yeah, like an arc. Yeah, yeah, archive. I think that my dream was really to do archive work, but sort of ended up in picture library work, which was it was it, you know. It was, good when I because when you're first moving to a new city you sort of good to have a regular income and yeah. be able to enjoy the city but it wasn't particularly rewarding um so but I was still doing like, like the beauty was that like, I could photograph bands in the evening yeah and at the weekends and I was still doing that still doing stuff for plan b um yeah for like those first like two or three years um and also like a few other little magazines and loud and quiet magazines sort of popped up I can't really remember the dates, but yeah, started doing stuff for that. Um, yeah, yeah. And then that, then that's when I sort of, I think around that time, jumped into doing full time photography as well. So that yeah. sort of worked out quite well. Yeah. Um, Has it ever? Um, how is working with that relationship of like the the passion, your passion, as your job? Does it is it like an ever fluid like changing or is it? Yeah, it's it's tough. It's like. I definitely have phases where I sort of don't pick up a camera for a while. Like, uh, yeah. like it's, um, or I think now I sort of combat that. Like, so with my com- my commissioned work, my sort of paid work, it's always, almost always, like, using digital um, cameras and stuff like yeah. that. And my own work, uh, I try and shoot on film, okay. which is how I when I studied at, studied at uni with all film. Yeah. Um, so I kind of differentiate, like, they're, they're, they're both photography, but to me it's almost not. Like, one is one is the job yeah. and one is photography. Yeah, <laughs> Like, yeah, yeah. it doesn't really even have a have a name. But uh, so that's sort of how I've combated it. But, like, yeah, I struggled for ages. And, like, um, yeah, in London, I, particularly when you're first trying to make it, like, it took me, took me years and years to get to a point where I was making a half decent living. Yeah. Um and you sort of end up resenting it. Like resent yeah. like you resent why you 
pick this part, this annoyingly <laughs> difficult path. Um, yeah. And yeah, like, and then, yeah. And I've, I've since then, I've read, like, interviews with other photographers and even really famous photographers, and they're all, they all have very, like, a lot of them have quite similar stories about having that same sort of feeling, like, you can't, you don't ever do photography because you want to make money. Um, if you do, it's just that it's a bit of luck, and a, but you have to do it because you really want to do it. Yeah, yeah. And you almost, you can't remember what that famous quote is but it's like it's almost because you can't do anything you can't imagine doing anything else yeah it's yeah, like yeah. Uh, and that's kind of basically what what happened to me really i couldn't really imagine i still can't really imagine doing anything else i think one day i will have to but at the moment uh, i can't imagine doing anything else yeah. other than taking photographs so yeah yeah oh amazing so um how does it work with like um on a like not in a complex but like in a basic like um when you take a photo yeah are you just like given the money for that or can you do, do you get like royalties if you take a photo for someone uh, yeah. I mean this is, that's a whole other podcast okay. but uh, yeah so I mean I think again like I was saying with the uh, that sort of ties in with when I used to work at picture libraries they it was a very tail end of picture libraries and they all got sort of bought up um and then royalties have sort of become they still they still exist, but it's not in the same way. Yeah. So photographers used to just sort of give all their art there. Basically, photographers used to keep hold of the right of their the rights to their images like as default. So they would do a commission for a magazine or commission for a band or something, and they would keep the pictures and like okay. that sort of like their pension because they if they you know, that band went on like you hear about like all these like photographers that have done amazing pictures of you know Rolling Stones and Bob Dylan yeah, or whatever. Yeah. They've got all these amazing, this amazing back catalogue of pictures that yeah. they can sell even now. That's their pension. And now that doesn't really exist in the same yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. Because, so, um, like, going back to Oasis, actually, I've got, I've got a print in my in my house Yeah. this guy that must have been with Oasis back in the day. Yeah. I can't remember. Microdot is the website. Yeah. But, like, um, that must have been, like, a few years ago. He was like, right, I need to need a bit of money, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And you can buy the prints where, I guess that was back in the 90s where maybe... And it's all changed a bit since. Yeah, then. yeah, like, um, yeah, it has. It's. I mean, this is like, it's quite a, like, it's a fluid sort of industry now. But um, like, what? Getty still exists, and so there are still, yeah, there's still sort of. Um, Was that difficult to navigate as well at the start, like working? Yeah, out how the business... well, I, I think a lot of yeah, I think yeah, it is, and it's still it constantly is. Like, uh, I was listening to another podcast with Martin Parr, he's quite a famous British photographer like probably one of the most famous ones yeah. and um he still navigate he still has constantly changing the way he his he exists as a photographer like he used to get all his money from like well i feel like he used to get his money more money from like doing editorial shoots for magazines or whatever yeah. but there's not really any money in that because people aren't buying magazines and so he gets a lot of money from like more commercial stuff um and also selling prints like going back to basics and doing sort of direct stuff um and i think you it's funny as a photographer you have to be a, a business person as much as anything like yeah. you have to be i think the often the most successful photographers are actually the best the best sort of business people um and that's why there are a lot of amazing photographers out there that you never really hear about um yeah and and there are a lot of photographers that are coming to light now who back in the 60s and 70s and 80s making beautiful amazing photography but they weren't business people so they didn't really know how to get their work out there okay or that wasn't even their intention to get their yeah, work out there yeah. their, their intention was to make 
photograph yeah, and yeah. document something or, you know, make art. Um, so, yeah, yeah, it's constant. It's, so I think for me, like, let's say for like a, also because I work for like mostly kind of smallish sort of bands, it is quite a straightforward transaction. Like, um, like you know, I, uh, and I'll photograph, you know, someone, a band will come to me, if it's a friend, like, you know, do them a matrix. But uh, yeah, 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 like, you know, I don't know, however, however much money and then you give them like, you know, I make an edit of pictures and they can pick out like, you know, 10, 15 pictures yeah. and they can just use them for whatever they want, really. Yeah. Um, that's sort of how I work. I, I, I keep it really simple. Like bigger sort of, you know, on the more commercial side of stuff, there's like, you can do usage rights and things like that. But I'll be honest, half the time I don't, I can't be bothered. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because yeah, often yeah. they're such specific images for specific yeah. jobs that you're never really going to be able to use those images anywhere else, like out of context of that job. Yeah. And I know that those companies probably won't be able to use those images out of context in another job. Like, providing they don't resell those images, then they can kind of do what they want, which I think a lot of photographers probably roll their eyes at and say that you should have quite strict sort of usage rules. But yeah. it, they're very hard to enforce now as well. So now that yeah. digital digital photography and like digital files like just can be like copied and sent anywhere really easily but back in the day obviously physical prints and physical negatives could be they had to be you know kept somewhere yeah and someone would be you know have far more control basically of where those ended up um so yeah um but yeah thing. I but when i'm photographing for small bands like i'm doing that for almost for fun these days yeah. um not really doing it to make a living necessarily i've got you know other ways of you know bigger jobs and yeah, bigger yeah. companies that will pay me a lot of money for well sometimes a lot of money often not enough but uh <laughs> to do like you know straightforward for me quite straightforward boring jobs so yeah. um yeah sort of yeah it's almost like photographing bands and music has become gone back to becoming my hobby yeah 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 <laughs> got like full circle really. yeah um yeah yeah, yeah. um how um I think like um I've I've definitely said to you before um but like every two or three years or one or two years I'll be like looking through my zines and I come across the zine you put out with from the Ted Leo tour that oh, you I did. Knew you were gonna be yeah, 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 yeah. I just I always look for a lot. Funny, absolutely. I remember you buying that. It's so strange. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, like I guess like how was how's touring with like for, as a photo, photographer? Yeah, I guess. Guess yeah, I'll probably give a context how I how that even came about and yeah. what it is. Like um so I've seen when I was first moved to London, I was I was also working in a little gallery, um, in like Binsby Park. Um and the guy that ran it, I knew the gallery because the guy who ran it was a music photographer, a guy called Pat Graham, who Oh fam- yeah, I follow him on Instagram actually. Yeah, yeah. So his famous like his most famous picture is like the riot girl, like riot girl scene, like the bikini kill sort of cover photo. That's his the most famous one. But yeah. I knew, so I knew his work and got in touch with him. And he to, I ended up working. At, he had this amazing little gallery in Finsbury Park, lots of underground sort of American art and photography. And I sort of worked there. I didn't. I mean, I say work. I never got paid, but I was just a fun, yeah. fun place to hang out. And he put my he, he's friends with Ted, Leo, and um, he. Yeah, but he couldn't do the tour, um, and he suggested me. And it was like it, I was there as a merch person as much as I was a photographer. So basically, uh, yeah. So 
I think it was like my 2007, so yeah, my first year, full year in London, and uh, yeah, uh, somehow got time off work for a month to go off on tour around Europe. Oh wow, so quite some time. Yeah, yeah, like, uh, yeah, I think, I mean, there's, there's, again, this is probably a whole other podcast, it's meant to be a whole month, and actually ended up being three weeks, because uh, uh, Ted had to fly back to 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 America early, um, and also the day, weirdly, the day we were playing in, so I'm going. I'm going off on a tangent here, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Ted was playing in um, in Glasgow, and it was the and he was meant to fly out of Glasgow Airport, and it was the day that that I don't know if you remember, but there was a car that the guy drove into Edinburgh Air, uh, Glasgow Airport. Oh wow! Like yeah, that. like it's like a I guess it was a terrorist sort of attack, but that happened that day, and it was like oh, it's all a bit, all a bit of an odd end to that tour. But um, but yeah, anyway, going back to the scene, <laughs> yeah, it was brilliant like um uh yeah uh, I, I that was always the dream to go off on tour with the band yeah. and photograph them and where they were going and the things that were happening and uh yeah it was it was great it was great i was like yeah i mean yeah i like we traveled through like i don't know it feels like seven or eight countries or something yeah um, did some incre- like crazy long sort of transfers but we were in um like transit with them um, and the guy the tour manager and the driver a guy called Ben Corrigan who was in Hardskin. Oh okay yeah. And yeah, he's yeah. like he's quite a character like like but amazing like uh sort of made that tour like and he's quite a good he's a really great photographer himself actually. Oh okay. Yeah and he took some brilliant pictures on that tour um so that was, that was fun to hang out with and sort of yeah yeah get to know him but um yeah. It was, Great, I kind of try to like. It's quite hard to sort of uh, summarize yeah. like, that that time, but I I always used to make zines and stuff, so it sort of makes sense to make a zine out of it. Yeah. Also, try and make a zine out of God. I haven't looked at it for so long, but um, make out a zine out of not just like live pictures and like yeah, it's like yeah. sort of the quiet times like in between because obviously most of the day the day is punctuated. Yeah, twenty twenty three hours of it is not a gig. Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or so, not them playing sort of photographing that stuff really and it's lovely I got to know them as well and like uh, I'm, not, I'm not really in touch with them that much I think I think Ted I think Ted follows me on Instagram now but um, uh, and I'm a, sort of a little bit in touch with the drummer um, he plays in uh, is he in Titus Andronicus yes yeah that's it and, um, he plays in Titus Andronicus that open city I saw yeah yeah so um, his name, what's his name I totally forgot that's really bad Jay is it uh, oh, no. oh, that's terrible. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, but, uh, yeah, like, yeah, t- yeah, he was in London for Titus Andronicus oh, a couple of years ago. So, um, yeah, it's funny because I haven't, I haven't seen those guys for many yeah, years. But, yeah. yeah, still, every time, I'm sure if they ever swing into Sheffield, I'll be, <laughs> I'll be there. So. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but, yeah, that, that, like, photographing it was great. Like, yeah. having access to everything and, has, like has it all the time. offered you the opportunities, um, like apart from that, to like travel, like whether we're in a band, like music context or yeah, like, I've done not so much lately. Like I did, I did this. though when the Steel were about, I yeah. went on tour with the Steel, like um, in a very very cold January tour. Started <laughs> on the first of January at the Fighting Cup. Man, that was that was that was fun but it was tough it was cold man so yeah. cold like and then we were two bands and we were all like pretty much staying in the same like 
in the same places every night. It was, yeah. yeah, it was proper touring, but um, great fun, great fun. <laughs> Got some amazing pictures out of that, um, which I never really made a zine out of, but um, ended up being in, I think in a. Oh, well, they never, made a zine, didn't they? They made a zine which I've never seen. Oh, have you not? I don't have a copy of it. Um, yeah, so I've heard there's a zine out there <laughs> that's in the re- in a re-release of their record. Uh, hint, hint. I mean, I think I I have a feeling that. I think Mark has one to give to me, but has forgotten for the last seven or eight years. So, <laughs> okay, I'm sure I'll see one, or I'll have to buy it off Discogs. That'll be it, yeah, Discogs will, um, will be it. But yeah, I, yeah, I love, like, I love, I thought making zines as well, sort of, yeah, sort of, and I, I think I try, like, even with this new one, like, I try and, they are a zine in the description, but like, I, the, I like, as a, being a photographer, I like the print quality to be yeah, pretty good. Yeah. So I always try to make the print quality as good as I could. Like, um, there's definitely a place for, like, photocopy zines and stuff like that. And and uh, Photocopy Club, Matt, who runs Photocopy Club, does a brilliant job with that sort of stuff. But I always really like them, um, to, the quality of print to be probably higher than I could really afford. So, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, but touring with them is great. Like, uh, I, I guess the most similar thing I've done recently was um, Lost Campesino. Okay. They did a couple of weeks, uh, three weeks ago, they did a big headline tour Yeah. at the forum and I actually pitched, I did their promo photos a few years ago and I pitched an idea of doing a project a bit like the Ted Leo theme where I thought of photographing them on tour and also, but then also photographing their fans because they have really diehard fans uh, and... I pitched it a few years ago and uh, the Gareth came back to me like about like I'm up, like a few weeks before the, the their big headline gig, which is like 10 year anniversary of their first two albums. And he said, you know that idea you have, do you want to just do it for one show? Like come yeah. down and photograph the whole day and you can photograph some of the fans and stuff. And so I, so, um, so I did that and uh, that is, we're planning to make a zine out of that. Oh, amazing. So um, yeah, Gareth, they're on tour in America at the moment, but they're coming back in, I think, I'll crack on with it when they're back in. I got some lovely portraits of the fans and like we got a, a, a journalist to come along and do an interview do little interviews with them and yeah. like find out what the meaning was like what their their love for the band was about and their experiences. Yeah, yeah. Got some amazing stuff. So um I'm really excited about putting something together for that. Um and it's just a it's so nice when you meet a band that give you that opportunity as well. So like, um, yeah, who are like so on the same page. Um, yeah, yeah. Because I guess, um, like going back, like, um, I imagine that they're the kind of band where they had to think at times, like, should this just be fun or should we try and like stop doing this as a hobby and like, and you know, having which I'm sure the zine will say, you know, yeah, if that's how they did feel. But like, yeah. it doesn't seem like. Um, yeah, like you said, it they're coming from the same kind of page, which is which is cool. Yeah, yeah, they're like, yeah, they're like, they're they're DIY. They're like, like they're as punk as they come, but they're yeah. sort of, you know, they you wouldn't think of them as being a punk band, but they are totally like they're totally DIY. They book everything themselves. They're like that's how why they still exist, really. Yeah. Like and that um, and Budweiser. Sorry? That and Budweiser giving them loads of money for uh, their songs. Really? Oh, well, you know more that about that than me, <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, I guess they have to make a living. But, like, I guess in terms of the way their ethos, the way they oh, do yeah, things, yeah. though, I think is... And the is, way to use that like, money when you get it, rather than... Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, like, um, I mean, I've definitely, you know, I do stuff for 
for big company yeah, yeah, like yeah. uh you know definitely work for the man so to speak yeah, but yeah. yeah it's like you say it's um and i i suspect like all sorts of people that we probably put up on on a pedestal have done that but it's what yeah like you say what you do with that money and where it yeah, wait yeah. how you make yeah, that work for br- you. yeah because gotta... you think of all the bands that could have budweiser could have asked money for yeah and then it you know it would have been swallowed up by like recuperating a major labels like thing or like yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. where i'm sure when lost campesinos had that it's like yeah. well let's weigh up this opportunity but what how can we because uh, they have done interviews where it's like the band would probably might not carried on if we didn't get that money and yeah 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 totally like yeah yeah like um Really interesting and realistic, obviously. That yeah, that's what yeah, people do. yeah, yeah. It's not the idealistic way of doing things, but it's sort of um, it's a practical way of doing things. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I can't remember. There's definitely someone terrible. I can never remember quotes or who who said them. But uh, there's someone said like the idea of being punk is about so you've got to. Ex- I think it might even Ian Mackay, but like you've got to exist within the parameters of society. Like you can't make something work outside of that. Like you know why i mean we're going off on a different tangent here but like um yeah you've got to make make something work for you make society sort of yeah work yeah for you. yeah um but yeah and uh, when you're a band that plays to 1200 people yeah your diy is going to be different to a band that doesn't have to that is playing down the road yeah. to like 40 people yeah um but i think the one thing they do is like they treat it as if they're playing in front of 50 people like in terms of like that's how much uh, they they care they care yeah, so yeah. much about yeah uh, fifty people they do twelve hundred people you yeah, know yeah. and um yeah all the details and yeah and and the fact they just do it all themselves as well yeah. is proof that you know it's quite doable you know yeah, yeah. like it's probably hard work but it's doable yeah yeah, yeah. oh amazing um cool. yeah let's talk about um punk as a prism you're like so when this is the second yeah so it's a bit of an older project like uh. I photographed it in like 2014, <laughs> which yeah, like possibly vintage. Um, and it's a zine I made for an exhibition in Japan. Um, so a friend of mine, Rosie, uh, moved over there and taught English, and she had this dream of having a having a gallery. Uh, yeah. And she ended up having it. Like she met, I can't remember the exact story, but she met this girl, uh, Atiko, and they ended up chatting, and they and ended up make uh, creating this this little gallery um and she's and i always i do struggle with like finishing projects um and she gave me a deadline (laughs) then (laughs) you want to come over to japan and have an exhibition and then she gave me she wanted it and it it was going to be a fundraiser for uh girls rock japan okay like girls rock camps um and so she wanted it to be on like a theme of sort of um yeah but women in punk and 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 so she said, "Can you photograph some of the, the people from the people that you're around in, in London to show Japanese, um, the Japanese sort of um, women and girls like what's going on and like because I think in Japan it's um, probably not without grossly generalizing like I think that women don't really have as much cultural freedom. Okay, or, yeah. I mean, I don't know too much about it, so I'm not gonna. <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm we'll go from there. But, but, but you yeah. know, it's like I think." Um, I think it's much harder to yeah. be, you know, a woman in a punk band over there. Uh, and they really just wanted to show what was possible. And, um, yeah, so I went round, photographed lots of, like, women in punk bands um, and key, key people in the sort of DIY sort of music scene. Um, so over, like, in 2014. And then, um, uh, yeah, got 
when April to write a little introduction and then Bryony the uh, the title comes from um Bryony um like wrote a piece in the back called Punk and it's like yeah, entitled Punk in the Prism and it's like a bit of a sort of it's like a po- it's like a poem. Um oh, but it's amazing. like um that, yeah, and that's where the name came from. And uh yeah, and I basically I got it printed up. I got I made the zine to go along with the exhibition, um, but it was obviously a fundraiser, so the the gallery printed all that for the printed zines up, and obviously I didn't want to, you know, all the wanted all the proceeds to go to the fundraiser, so I didn't really have any. I had like one or two copies, and uh, I posted it up on Instagram like a couple of months ago, and lots of people were like, "Oh, where can I get a copy of this?" And I was like, oh, "I don't know. I've like literally got two, like one for me." I um. I got it reprinted and um, yeah it took me two months to get it pre-printed but I got there in the end yeah uh, yeah. well Reprinted it looks amazing feels amazing yeah nice uh, high, high, high print yeah, uh, yeah. Print produc- uh, production values yeah and I guess it perfectly like um, brings together like the portraits and the music yeah yeah as well. yeah it shows how yeah I sort of yeah got there in the end with uh, sort of uh, putting the sort of uh, yeah the two together and uh, yeah it's um yeah, it's got like a bunch of sort of mostly portraits, of, well, portraits of people and like and their homes and like um, live live gig photos, like photographs of you know people, bands practicing, um, you know, a picture of um, of Florence who worked at a record store, so her, you know, and it's just it was really fun actually. It was like it felt like a nice. By no means of right, it's uh, it's not comprehensive yeah, yeah. study of that entire like scene, but it's a nice sort of little slice, a little snapshot of of what was going on in some of the bands that were around. Um, and the the original scene had all of the I put um, because I wanted like the people in Japan to pick it up and be able to find those bands. So yeah. I put I put like website addresses in the original zine. I've taken those out now because it's a few years old and I don't know how accurate those are. But yeah, I'm yeah. sure people can Google them all. But um, but yeah, that's it really. And I guess also like one of the uh, witching ways doing that in this in the uh, Emma who I met in uh, in witching ways I met when I went to went to study yeah. next to like all those years ago. And so she's just moved to Yorkshire, right? She's just moved to Hebden Bridge. Yeah, <laughs> just outside Hebden Bridge. So yeah, it's funny that funny how uh, yeah. Well, how <laughs> yeah. small the world is, um, really. Isn't so, it? where can people find this? This thing? Uh, I've just got it on my website. Um, just uh, oh, I don't know actually. Actually, go to my Instagram, like yeah. Instagram dot com. Just Owen Richards. Um, there should be a link in the bio. Um, and if you can't find it, drop me an email. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Cool, oh, man. Brilliant. Um, I guess we're kind of. That probably wraps everything. I think that yeah, yeah, yeah like, it's quite a nice. Yeah, thing. like yeah. you said off off of the mic, um, like you feel like this kind of perfectly wraps up a certain a certain time. Yeah, like even though it was a few years ago, like uh, sort of, I definitely do a lot less music photography now, and um, but it sort of it caught a time, it captured like uh, a scene that I was involved in for you know quite a few years. Yeah, and now that I've moved out of London, obviously a new scene to discover up here, but um. But yeah, this I've got this little this zine is a a nice, uh, yeah record of it. Um, yeah. Hopefully, I can make another one, maybe for Sheffield or. Yeah, somewhere. yeah, 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 definitely. Okay, brilliant. Well, um, yeah. So I guess if people want to see see your photos, just at Owen Richards. On yeah, Instagram. yeah, like yeah, Instagram, like yeah, website, just uh, yeah, OwenRichards.co.uk. Um, 
my Instagram seems to have it has probably more sort of music stuff on in. Yeah, my uh, my main website's a bit more. Yeah, more my work stuff. But cool, yeah, cool. I still got. I still try and. I mean, you can still find sort of. I still have. Luckily, I've like still got music stuff that I've been paid like that. It's more sort of commercial as well. Yeah, yeah. Like Abbey Road stuff and things like that. So people can go and have a look at that. Amazing. And um, yeah, I guess next few months over that Lost Camp zine or. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, uh, I'm going to chase up Gareth about that when, when he gets back. Nice. But, yeah. Brilliant. Okay. Well, cheers for that chat. And um, yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Cheers, Sean. <laughs>